Welcome to Fired Up Friday. I'm Gerard Papa, Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt and Principal Consultant at Dynamic Resolutions Group, DRG. Have you heard the old saying, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing right the first time? Well, I not only believe this, but I live it every day. My goal was to help the business world embrace it. I have process improvement and strategic planning expertise, and I seek opportunities to tackle challenges with a focus on innovation, efficiency, and quality. I have over 25 years of customer service experience in the hospitality, retail, IT, and healthcare industries. Hello? Hey there. Gerard. Hey, David. Thanks for joining. Absolutely. I appreciate it. So we Happy. will be discussing topics that fire me up. And today's topic is how great processes can drive excellent customer service. And I'm pleased to have one of my best friends who I've known since 1986 join me today. Uh, personally, I can say uh, David is the nicest, most compassionate person I know. And he has very high standards. So I think he's perfect for, for this topic today. And professionally, he's been in some sort of role, customer service role, at least customer facing role for a long time. So why don't you introduce yourself, David, and provide some background. And Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. I am. My name is David Stahl. I, uh, I started my career really in financial services as a teller and for a local, local bank and progressed, really progressed with financial services from, I actually worked in collections for a while. I did telephone customer service for financial service companies. I worked as a travel agent for a while too, that was also customer faces, facing. And today I am still in the financial services industry and my role now is actually to teach good customer service to financial professionals. I, my main focus right now, I work for a um, bank that I focus on helping relationship managers and wealth managers make better connections and relationships with their clients. And that's what I do today. So you have a great background because, as you said, starting as a teller, I mean, you have face-to-face -face contact uh, with customers on a daily basis, you know, on an interaction basis, and it's you've built your career on that. And I think you're a great person to teach others on how to do that because, as you, you and I have talked about this in in the past, uh, when you teach what you're teaching, it's building relationships. It right? really it's is. It really on is. Action. It's building relationships, which a lot has to do with you know good customer service is building trust and building and building that relationship with with your client base. So absolutely, you're perfect. So we're, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about uh, you know basic outline as everyone knows as we go through this. We'll kind of talk about uh, excellent customer service defined. You know what that is, um, how we define it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the challenges uh, delivering customer service and some some horror stories, some personal experiences, both personally and professionally. Um, and then let's talk about some really good examples. Uh, David and I've had uh, some good experiences that we've actually shared together recently. And then I want to kind of focus, as everyone knows, I kind of focus on process and process improvement and how process and systems kind of drive, you know, excellent customer services and putting people in those positions to be successful. And I think that's important. So if we talk about customer service and excellent customer service, how would you define that, David? Well, you know, over the years, it's it's I think it's evolved. You know, when we're when we first start off in our careers, we're we're taught 
I think, just to smile and tell tell the customer or client that you understand. But I think it's really goes much beyond that. It's really forming that human connection and with your clients and making those relationships more personal and so that you know them on a personal level. One of the things that we do in class is for um, training the, the relationship managers and wealth managers here is an activity around what remarkable experiences they've had as a client. And we go around the room and flip chart this. And the, the funny thing is the most common characteristic around everyone's great experiences in, in terms of customer service is yeah. that whoever, whatever business they're dealing with, they know me. Yes. They know me. That's the most common characteristic that comes out of when you have that discussion around good customer service is that the business I'm interacting with, they know me, they know what I like, they know what's important to me. Well, and I think, again, to your point, you said a, a couple of things I want to I want to focus on. You said it evolved, right? So think about where we started and where we are now in our career, smiling, you know, making eye contact. Of course, that's important. But now it's evolved into understanding your client and your customer, giving them that personal touch and then providing something to them without them even asking. Right. Right. Because you know them and you know what they like or you know what they want when they typically call in or when you're having a conversation with them. And I think that's where we've evolved. I think, you know, exceeding expectations where they have expected you to know them on a personal level in order for you to drive excellent customer service right so i think that's a that's a good point uh i always think now it's kind of funny you you go out and you see someone and they say hello to you and it's like amazing because you go with these low-level customer service experiences where all you want someone to say is hello or hi and if you really want to drive excellence, it's got to be way beyond that. Yeah. And you want someone to be in a good mood. You want to feel like someone's happy about doing what yes. they're doing, you know? Well, that's another thing too, because you notice how no one ever from a customer's perspective wants to hear what you have to do to provide it. Right. Cause no one really cares. I mean, healthcare is notoriously bad for this because you're going to explain to the patient that you have to do these seven things behind and the patient doesn't care, yeah. nor should the patient care. Nor should right? they care. What, what should happen is you need to get them to, to the next step or, or to, or to the, the, uh, or to the handoff. What typically happens is you have to go through and go, okay, you need to call the insurance company and then you need to get this authorization and you need to do all these things. And it, it really, this is where I think healthcare has hurt itself because they expose these complications to the patient and the patient then has to navigate through it. And I think that's part of what has crippled it for so long is that they don't drive things or design things in the patient's best interest. Yeah. You want to try to make it as seamless uh, of an experience for your client as you possibly can. And to your point, they don't, they don't need to know what it took for you to be able to do that. They just want to know that it was easy. And again, seamless seamless is a great descriptive word to use because that's what the patient wants. And plus, think about this. If it is seamless, not only does the client benefit, but the employee benefits too, because then the the employee doesn't have to jump through hoops. I mean, you said this, you want someone to be happy. Well, it's really hard for someone to be happy 
if the process that they're trying to drive is really complicated right. and difficult, right? You're not going to be happy for long because you're going to get frustrated. And when someone gets frustrated, you usually show that and you're going to show it to your customer. So, and the customer's going to see it and feel and it. The, and the customer's going to see it. This is the, the great thing. It's, it's like you pick those things up. When you see something dysfunctional, customers know it right away. Yeah. You can't hide that as much as people like to think they can. You don't because they'll pick it up. They'll see they'll see the interactions between employees. They'll see the complications and it, it doesn't really bode well for for their customer service. And they'll see it. They'll see it in the employee's eyes. Yes, they'll, they'll feel it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's another that's a great point because it's it's this nonverbal, the nonverbal cues that we always show people. It's not just how you say it or the tone. It's your facial expressions, your body language, all those things send, send messages. And I think that's really important. So I think driving those systems. But if we talk about uh, back to like what excellent customer service is, there's an article from what excellent, service, excellent uh, customer service means. You know, here's the thing. Uh, what they set out is significance. So customer service employees must be trained. It must be important to the organization. So there's yeah. significance, right? What your job is, is obviously significant in your organization. Otherwise you wouldn't be training people. Right. So th that's the first thing. And I think um, accessibility. So customers, when they want to get a answer, they want it in a timely manner. They want yeah. to get, first of all, they want to get access to getting the answer first. And I think that's important. You know, we talked about accessibility and availability um, you can't get that unless that person's available to begin with. Uh, and you have to, I think in today's environment with digital and technology is you have to provide your, your clients different ways to be able to interact with you as a business and, and your customer service. Department. Right. So you have right now, think about the chat function on websites that, that, that will pop up. And even on many uh commercial websites where you're ordering stuff, something will pop up and ask if you need help. And that's, that's the purpose because yeah. they realize that in the chat function to me is, is nice because you don't have to talk to a person. You can just chat and ask questions. And I've actually used that quite a bit the last four or five months. Have you? Yes. And it's, it's easy because every time that I've done it, I've gotten a response very quickly and I've gotten the answers I need. And if I haven't, they have actually given me, a follow-up to, you know, follow up with this person or this person to call. I've yeah. done that a lot for my business when I've had some things that I, you know, some people that I wanted to talk to and I didn't know who to talk to. So yep. that's helped. Uh, function, right? Solve problems promptly and action plan. I think you teach a lot about this too. Solve we really do. Right. Don't you? I mean, and we, we really do. And the, the interesting part is, um, uh, to this is when you go back and look at the, uh, surveys, you know, client surveys and what clients are saying about your business and your organization. One of the things that we do in, in the financial institution I work for is we ask clients who, if they've had problems and whether the relationship managers have addressed those problems. And the interesting part is the clients who have had issues that were resolved actually rate their overall satisfaction with the relationship manager and the company higher than clients who had no issues whatsoever. Yeah, so so think about that, David. Say that again. Repeat that. Because <laughs> this is really important. Repeat this, please. Cli clients who express that they've had issues 
but the issues were addressed by the relationship manager or wealth manager actually score their overall satisfaction with the company and the relationship higher than clients who have not had issues at all. So if you think about that, if you play that out, right, essentially, if you have an issue and they're not, the problem isn't the issue, it's was that issue resolved? Was it exactly. resolved in a timely manner to their satisfaction? And if it is, that will drive customer service even higher because they realize there's always going to be some sort of issue. But how do you address that issue? Yep. And it's already proven out in your in your in your data when you're surveying your clients. That's the feedback that you're receiving, which yeah. tells you if that wealth manager relationship manager is trained to solve problems they're going to be very successful. Yep. So do they know their resources to, to solve those problems? And are they communicating with the customer, keeping the customer in the loop on that resolution? And that's really, that's really what it comes down to. So those are the last two points. It's a perfect segue. So excellent customer service requires effective listening and communication skills, and then timeliness, accuracy, and problem solving effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Companies can then use the feedback to correct, correct aspects of customer service that have shortcomings, which is exactly what you're talking about. So the ability to communicate, to listen, to adapt and update those processes, which is essentially yeah. what you guys are doing. And it becomes a loop. And then I would imagine you pull that stuff back into your training, which is the other thing that I think you guys do is what you learn. You kind of add to the training. So it's updated and it's fresh and it addresses some of the things that might, uh, might have come up in the last year or so is that that's accurate right absolutely and you know your point to listening it it really cannot be <clears throat> over overstated is you know as human beings we we have several several modes of listening we listen waiting for our turn we listen to poke holes in what the other person is saying or we actually listen to understand and empathize with somebody else and getting to that third level, that, uh, that, that point where I've let go of my own preconceptions or my own position. And I'm really just trying to understand someone else's thoughts and feelings in an empathetic way. And that's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing for people to get to. And it, because I think, I think listening is kind of like driving. Everyone yeah. thinks they're a great driver yeah, and everyone thinks they're a great listener. It's but, so true. And, but that's and, one of the things that we spend a lot of time teaching and reviewing with our relationship managers is are you just waiting to talk or are you trying to wait? Are you listening to poke holes in what the client is saying or are you actually listening to empathize? Well, and by the way, these are things you can use in relationship. This is some of the things that we're talking about are yeah. good relationship advice tactics as well, because I, I don't think anyone would be faulted in a relationship if they were a really good listener and actually were a really good listener. Because I think if you look at why a lot of relationships fail and we're talking about a relationship here, when you're talking about client, right? Customer client relationships, uh, communication is a big part of it. Just like any relationship, friendship, whether it's a spouse, significant other, whatever it may be. So there, there are some life left life lessons to be learned. They, they really are because when, I come, when it comes right down to it, what we talk, what we teach, and what we really want from from customer service is communication. It really comes down to communication, and that's universal, whether it's for business or whether it's for personal. So, if we talk about some of the challenges to to excellent customer service, 
Um, and, you know, I want to talk about some of our experiences too, but this is from the top 10 reasons for poor customer service and their solutions. And I am, uh, as you know, I'm always going to focus on process, not people. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to blame the organization first because I think people are put into positions a lot of times where they're not put in a position of success or not built to be successful. Mm-hmm. And here's some things that uh, I'm going to list out, right? People are not trained. So you're in an organization, they're not trained properly. Uh, we always go back to being trained as, as a solution. It might not be because the training might not have those aspects that you need, or you might not have the right people or the organization might not believe in it. Yeah. And I think it's more than, more than that. Right. I always think it's not the person aspect of it as much as it is the organization's not committed to it. I mean, you work for an organization that's obviously committed to it. You and I talked a couple of weeks ago and how you're continually adapting your training um, to make sure that it fits the group that's there and making sure that it's the right thing and making that you're tweaking things. To me, that has that aspect of making sure that training is effective. So, so they're action oriented. It's not just that they're getting there and then they're going back and they're done. It's, how do I take these lessons and apply them? Yeah. And you mentioned something just now that really uh, resonated with me is, is take once they're out of training and is the organization supporting what, what the employees are learning in training. And that's still, even today, I think always a challenge for organizations is that I can have them in class for a day or two or three, and we can talk about all these great skills. But when they get out there, if their management or supervisors and structure around them isn't supporting what we taught them, then it may not resonate. And, and I think, I, again, I think that's why it fails all the time, because you're told yeah. one thing and you go out and then the company never supports it. Right. right. It's like, oh, I want you to be empowered and I want you to be engaged, but then I'm not going to give you the tools or support you to do that. And you might have some managers that do that, but it's not consistent. And this is where this is where you get how much the culture of an organization can affect your success. Yep. Because if people don't feel that they're supported and they don't feel like they're going to get the things that they need to be successful, they might start off and be gun ho but that's they're going to lose, yeah. right? Because eventually they're just going to get burnt out, which is another challenge. Um, they're going to get frustrated. They're going to sabotage. Um, I've seen people do that because they just pretty much have given up and the organization has not done them any favors. Uh, and then the employees, they don't believe in the company or the product or the service, right? And so... You have all these things that really are organizational, what I say organizational reflective yeah. and not necessarily uh, personnel reflective. Now, there are instances where that's the case. Like I said, you bring personal problems um, into the workplace. You get burnt out. You're not the right person in the position. Um, that is personal personnel reflective. But more times than not, the organization has not put things in place. Incentive salary is not tied to results, right? So yeah. you, you don't, you don't have any basis for driving this because you're not doing um, it's not tied to any performance evaluation or salary or bonus or anything like that. So yeah. it's, it gets back to the point. It's not supported. And we, we've seen it so much. I've experienced it personally in organizations quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to your point, earlier that you said the employees don't aren't don't believe in the mission or the product or the service that's something that we definitely 
spend a lot of time on in our organization is encouraging the uh, employees to what we like to call eat the home cooking. You know, right. That's a good, that's a good line. I've not, I've not heard that before. That's a good line. You use the products and services that you, that you are, that you are uh, communicating with your clients about, because if you believe in it and you use it, then the stories and the interactions that you have with your clients will be that much more genuine around whatever it is that you're helping them with. Well, and you know, one of the organizations I work for, we would sell helping managing the refresh policy for uh, their hardware. And so we would recommend that they refresh because we were a reseller and we would provide them the hardware, computers, laptops, servers. And we would recommend two to three year refresh policy. Well, we would tell them this and then I would go in with a five-year-old laptop, right? And they're Mm. like, well, wait a minute, you're you're telling me to refresh my hardware, but Mm -hmm. you have a five-year-old laptop. I'm like, yeah, how do you sell that? And then yeah. how do they believe that you believe in that when you're not even practicing it? Yeah. It was kind of embarrassing. And you sit there and you're like, well, it's 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 a smart thing to do, which it is. And especially in today's because technology, as you know, is even faster than it was when I was in that position before. But it's like, yeah, OK, I'm supposed to buy this philosophy and you guys are not applying it. It's that's kind of funny. We do the we do the exact same exercise with our relationship and wealth managers is we have an exercise where we ask them all what their biggest financial concerns are in their own personal lives. And you'd be surprised with the things that people have not planned for, but yet that's what, that's what they're in the role to do help other people do and clients do is plan for their financial futures. And uh, it's, it's really shocking when you realize. Yeah, so, they, so they're, they're telling people how to plan for their future when in fact they have not planned for their future. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think that shed some light on on how you kind of kind of practice what you preach. Um, one of the other things too, and I think organizations don't do a, sometimes a good job of this, is giving people the value of their role. Like how how does your role drive the company's success? Like yeah. by you doing this really really well, here's what you're here's the value you're providing. Here's the impact you're making. And I think a lot of times the organization doesn't do a good job of showing how what they specifically do every day drives that success. And I Mm -hmm. think they have to do a better job of saying by you doing this, this is what we're getting. And then people will buy into it a little bit more because they'll see the value, right? They'll see the benefit. They'll see the impact. And we skip over that. And I think that that has a lot to do with people kind of losing interest um, and becoming apathetic because they don't see what value they're providing. And I think organization has to say, look, here's here's how you're making an impact and here's how you're uh, making a difference. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it ties back to what we said earlier is belief. Do you believe that you're making Do you a believe? Exactly. And because and, let's face it, you know, so much of what uh, businesses do you know, over time become commodities, meaning you, let's face it, you can get a checking account anywhere. You can get a, you can get a, you can get a phone anywhere. You can get healthcare at different facilities. What's going to make the difference is the way you interact with the people at those organizations. That's going to absolutely the differentiator. Absolutely. The differentiator. And this is what I've been trying to tell people in healthcare for a long time. It being a Harvard trained physician is no longer important because first of all, the patient doesn't really understand what that means. It's right. how do you treat that person? You are less likely to get sued if you treat the patient really nice. And even if you leave something in their abdomen, right, 
surgery. <laughs> if you treated that patient well and were nice and respectful, they're less likely to sue you. So think about that. Again, they accept the fact that you made a mistake, but you treated them like a human being. And that's the differentiator. I think that's what you can drive and separate yourself in the marketplace. And I wish, I wish organizations would buy into that. Happy employees make happy customers. Yeah. And for whatever reason, this is the biggest hurdle. And I've seen it. They, they, don't, they don't embrace it. They don't buy into it. They don't foster it. And it's disappointing because it's not just one or two organizations. It's unfortunately majority of the organizations that I work for just do not understand that concept. Yeah. And it's and really if the organization treats their their clients well, or their I'm sorry, their their employees well, that will trickle down to the client. It always does, and it's always been proven. It's scientifically proven that if you tr- if you're treated really well, you're going to treat your customers really well because you're going to be excited about coming to work. Yep. You're going to be happy, and you know that they're going to take care of you. Exactly. It just it's common sense, but for whatever reason, it's 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 difficult for people to grasp or put things in place. And I'm not saying it's easy, but you have to be committed to it. And I'm I'm not saying they stop because it's hard. I think they stop because they're not committed to it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So let's talk, let's talk some personal experiences. Let's talk about some, some, some of the issues that we've run into. Let's talk bad experiences and then let's talk excellent experiences first. You know, some of the bad experiences um, I'll start off. Yeah. There and I uh, went to this restaurant. It was like four months ago and it was new. It was like a bar restaurant. It was really small. And I remember walking in and they were really busy and no one kind of greeted us. So we were just kind of like standing around, didn't know what to do. And then finally I went to the bar and I got a hold of someone and they finally, like 10 minutes later, they came around and they finally got a table. And I remember like five minutes later, two guys walked in and immediately, like all of a sudden, someone just came over to them and they greeted them. It was like, we never even existed. Mm. And I was just like shocked. It was like, we were invisible. And the next two people that came in, they were all over them. Well, let me get you a seat. Let me get you this. Let me get you a menu. And I was, I didn't even know what to say. I was, it was because we saw it. It was like watching something. It was like watching a train wreck actually in slow motion. And it was so disrespectful because they didn't even acknowledge our existence where we had to do everything ourselves. And then two people walked in. So what you have any, any, well, it's funny. I, I, question to you i wonder you know we were talking earlier about people knowing me i wonder if that was one of the characteristics in that situation it was did the employees already know those people and so that's that's why it happened that way and maybe it is but again it's not an excuse for not acknowledging right but but it but it actually speaks to um a a pitfall of good customer service is that if you aren't treating all customers equally, you'll have, and then, but then you treat, you know, someone that you know really well, you're going to have yeah. other customers that you don't know really well observing how you treat yeah. some customers. But so you're going to sacrifice someone it, to, right. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to realize, wait a second, I wasn't, I wasn't treated that way. How come I wasn't treated that way? Yeah, that's a really good point. So what do you, what uh, experiences do you have? That was at a restaurant. So those are my most vivid ones, but. You know, for me, it's, for me, it's always around follow-up, you know, when you're like calling customer service and you've got an issue and someone promises 
that you know we'll get back to you or you know there's something in particular that's that that they have to research or something like that and that's fine I've, I've got no problem with that but when they don't return you know call you back and say here's what i found out or here's what the follow-up is or i still need time to research that's where that really just it, it irks me is just just set my expectations and yeah. keep and keep keep with that you know well and i think that's reasonable right i mean you're not asking them for anything that i don't think is out bounds and yeah. i think both of us are pretty reasonable people and i think again data will show if you are if you treat people with respect they will give you a lot of leeway if you yeah. set expectations it's going to take me two days to get get back to you and then you get it back in a day i think everyone is reasonable with that yeah exactly i i, I think you you do get some cushion or buffer it's when you don't set those expectations or when you set false expectations or you ignore them and you don't follow up at all or you don't resolve the issue or again you're not even acknowledged um i think that's where you run in i mean most of the issues that I've that I've experienced as far as negative ones is where I wasn't even acknowledged or I didn't even get a hello. Yeah. Um, the gym that I work at, actually, they they always ping me for surveys and I gave them feedback because every time I walk in, uh, I'm a friendly guy. So I always will acknowledge and say hello. And the front desk was never would never acknowledge, never say hello, never look up. And I was like, you know, that's not that hard to do. Right. Yeah. Just say yeah. hello or say good morning, whatever. And I sent that back and the general manager followed up immediately on it because I gave him a, a bad score and uh, she uh, sent me an email and everything and wow. she's to take care of it. Uh, and it's gotten, it's, it's gotten better now. So wow, that was, I was pleased to see the, the quick response on her because she was like, well, this is unacceptable. And again, I'm not asking to have a conversation with the person, but they could look up and acknowledge that I'm coming there. Yeah. And, and that also speaks to an organization that believes that feedback is a gift and, yep. an, opp and an opportunity yes. to improve. So think about this. Again, you brought up this great point. You know, feedback, we like, oh, I'm just getting I'm just getting the results to get the results. Well, no, the, the organization's committed to getting the results because they know that these are things they can use mm -hmm. to become better. And there that's a different mindset than just gathering the data and just putting it on the shelf. Right. Yeah. It's taking that data and then uh, adapting, taking the feedback and making your processes and your systems and your organization better. That's yeah. the key to getting feedback. And they want it. You know, it's like I, I think you and I are the same with this. We want feedback from our superior, right? Our 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 boss. We want constant feedback, constructive feedback. We don't yeah. want to hear that you suck. We want to hear, David, here's what you did well, or here's what the things you can work on. I think that I always welcome constructive feedback, and yep. I think that's an organization should should as well. Yep. But also to your point, though, I think that also comes back to the organization, and in that case, management. How is that? How is that message delivered? Yeah. And I think that how a message of feedback and constructive uh, criticism is delivered is almost as important as the message itself is, you know, do the managers or supervisors deliver in a way where it's welcomed, where it is seen to as a process of helping someone versus just bringing, trying to cut someone down. Perfect. I mean, that's absolutely true, right? It's the, it's, you know, how can you have that conversation in a constructive way? Yeah. A development question as opposed to like you said knock them down right uh, wholly different approach 
Um, so I want you to share, we're going to get to excellent customer service. I want you to get, I want you to share our experience that we have, because this is the one that's, is the most vivid that I think you and I were both kind of blown away Yeah, in New York. Uh, and if you want to kind of go through and tell people what happened, I think this is a great, great yeah. example of excellent customer service. We were, we were in, in, uh, New York and ha- meeting up for lunch and the, I had had to check in to the restaurant and they told us it would be about a 35 40 minute wait and we were fine with that because we just sat and caught up and uh with each other and after 40 minutes pretty much on the dot because i'm i'm very uh, uh <laughs> detailed like that yeah we went back to the hostess at the and it was a different hostess when we went back and i said hey I'm just checking in and we weren't we weren't um uh, upset, or upset anything. about it. We yeah. were just uh, just checking in. Yeah. And what we didn't realize is the new person that was standing at the hostess desk was the actual general manager of the restaurant. And she immediately, she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, we we are. We're just waiting to be, be able to pull two tables together. We're really, really sorry." She goes, "It'll just be a few more minutes." And we were fine, no problem. And we stepped aside, and within what one or two minutes, the manager had come over. She's like. What can I get you to drink while you're waiting? Yeah. And we were just, I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that, but sure, why not? And at that point, we were seated within a few minutes after that. And then again, she comes over, thank you so much for waiting. And she was just, just profusely um, yeah. apologizing, which we didn't yeah. even feel was necessary. And that was the and that was the surprise part of it. That was the exceeding expectations. I wasn't waiting for an apology, but she provided it anyway and about try to find ways to make the experience even better for yep. us. And then she offered and which which was the key to me, which is when she offered us another round. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and dessert. And dessert. <laughs> and you know, the other thing was that one of our, the party members um was sick at the time. So we would have gotten more alcohol. <laughs> If he wasn't sick, yeah. right, which is the other funny thing about the whole story is, is that we had one member who wasn't even drinking. So um, well, and what really made it exceptional is she did this without us being upset or absolutely. criticizing her or absolutely. saying, where's our table or saying, what are you going to do for me? We didn't yep. do any of that. We were actually nope. very accommodating, but yep. she went well beyond what it was necessary to make us feel like we were valued. Well, and she, she made it, she made it clear that it was unacceptable that we waited longer than we were told to. And she made it clear that her expectations were, were not met. And so she was going to help us make sure that we reminded, we were remembering that experience. And it was one of the best things uh, that I've, Plus the places, you know, it's a cool restaurant, yep. uh, you know, the whole setting, everything just makes it so much better. And I, I won't forget that. Story. I will never forget it either. And it, and it, and it was nice. And it, it just shows you that person, obviously, as a general manager, drove that to her uh, staff because yeah. she took control over it. She would have she wouldn't have done that. I think if the organization wasn't supportive of that kind of thinking. So, yep. And imagine the example she set for her staff. Yeah. And we will always remember that, too. Right. And we will tell people about that. And I think that's the key to the other experience. This kind of experience is that you're going to tell people about it and you're going to share that experience. And I certainly would go back. Um, The other thing I wanted to share is another experience I had with uh, with Fidelity 
uh, you know, our retirement is with, with Fidelity. And we had several conversations uh, with them in the last couple of months on the phone. And they are so good on the phone. It's really? unbelievable, unbelievable how good they are on the phone. I mean, just the conversation alone, their tone, uh, the helpfulness, getting the, the issue resolved. And then we had to go to get some paper signed and we had to go to one of their uh, local uh, local banks, I guess, or whatever you want, local offices. Uh, offices and they were awesome there too and i made it clear i'm like look this is you guys have been great and i sent an email this past week and i told him that i would give fidelity a shout out on the on the podcast because of the experience we had so you know what a warm transfer is right as a yeah. transfer they had to transfer us a couple of times to someone else but they said well you know i'll stay on the line make sure you get there they had all the information uh they were very professional uh sincere and and actually solved our issue, which yeah. which again is the the key. But being professional throughout that, uh, you can tell how much training goes into uh, into their into their work yeah. because it wouldn't be half what they were without that. So that it's was a, it, it's amazing what what a different experience is when you just show a genuine interest and desire to help people. Yeah. And I think it's a genuine interest, right? It's yep. a genuine interest because again, I think being reasonable, if you show that you really want to solve this problem for that client or that customer, mm-hmm. I think most people are going to be blown away. Yep. Even if you, you know, even if you don't have the, the resolution right away, but you are timely in that resolution and follow up and follow through. I think most people would be blown away by that because they want someone to care about their issue. The worst thing you can do is dismiss someone. Yeah. The worst thing you can ever do is like, yeah, I, I don't really care, or this isn't important, or this is no big deal, or I've heard this a million times today. I don't want to hear this again. Right. Right. Uh, and I think that genuine interest is really critical. Um, and you feel good about yourself when you're done. Because you, a lot of times I think you feel like an idiot if you are not met with genuine interest you feel like you're blowing something out of proportion or making something bigger than it really is. Yeah. When someone shows they care, they're, they, they're actually buying into your problem. Yeah. Right. And, and making sure that it gets the attention it needs. I think a lot of times that goes a long way too. It really does. And that goes back to, you know, just understanding and acknowledging people's feelings. Exactly. Acknowledging, right. Acknowledging. Yeah. And you, you said this, uh, you've said this about a lot of things in life, right. Being empathetic. Yeah. You know, a lot of the problems is that people are not empathetic to others. Um, how is that any different in this scenario? Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I think if you're empathetic, you're going to be at their level and understand. It's one thing to be sympathetic, but the, the empathetic, I think, at that point really makes the difference. Yeah, it does. And I think, you know, again, use this for relationships, too, because I, I think it applies. Uh, you and I both have been seeing this and how it works. So. Uh, and I think we're both really good communicators. Uh, and I think we've seen the value of that, you know, as we, as we kind of talk through this. So let's talk, um, so let's talk some solutions Yeah. Uh, for me, you know, being a process guy, you know, I'm always going to drive process and systems, right. Um, a system is something that supports or a structure or a model that supports these processes, you know, individually, process can't succeed unless you have a model that supports it. I think you and I have talked about that throughout this uh, podcast. Uh, But some of the things that, that I've seen is these complexities, right? 
simplifying processes, removing complexities. Uh, People don't want to hear about it. It frustrates customers. It, it, it frustrates employees when they know that these are complexities that are, that exist. And the worst thing you can ever do is tell the customer, and I said this earlier, Oh, you don't realize what we have to do to fix this. I I don't care what you have to do to fix it. Right. Yep. And Go ahead. You know, let it, it, telling the customer all the hoops that you have to jump through yes. for yes. to get something done. Plus, not only does it does it reflect badly on that you as an individual, it also reflects badly on the organization as a whole, and that's that's potentially some of the uh, you know the feedback that pe- clients will say to other people. Oh, it's so complicated over there, or they yes. don't they don't make it easy for you. And again, just to bring up my experience the last 15 years, healthcare. Healthcare yeah. is, again, notoriously bad for this because of the complexities. And, you know, these processes were not designed with the patient in mind. And it re- it's reflected every day. So put systems in place to support your people, right? Simplify your processes, remove complexities, remove handoffs, right? Remove yeah. gaps in service. That way you can fulfill your promises to your, to your clients, to your customers. Yep. Uh, I think that, that the other thing too, and, and you talked about this um, early on, we've said this adapt in real time, right? So process agility and maturity, right? Be able to see things before they come, you know, businesses that are successful, they have to adapt, you know, look at uh, <laughs> circuit city. Right. Circuit City yeah. didn't see some of their clients or some of their, I, I should say, their uh, competition yeah. that uh, eventually put them out of business. Right. It is. Uh, the, got the, to, go ahead. No, no I was going to say you, you got to be prepared for that. You got to be agile to to be able to adapt and mature and uh, grow and evolve. That is kind of the, the hot word right now is agile, isn't it? Yeah, you got it. Is. You got to kind of see where see where things are headed and be able to adapt your business to those things. I know financial services is experiencing that that right now because of technology and, and mo- mobile, you know, the being able to allow clients to handle their finances on their mobile device while still being able to uh, make sure that that's secure has has been a challenge for financial institutions and they've been a little bit behind on on some of that so so and that yes and that's critical and again you and i both we we kind of embrace technology i like to think that we're early adopters on a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and if you look at if you look at organizations in the next 10 years there's going to be so much change yeah exponentially in technology that's going to affect so many different aspects of our business yeah uh, yeah. And I think you're going to have to, I mean, look how much the banking industry has changed, right? You know this, you, you personally lived in it, Yeah. Uh, how much it changed. You can now take a picture of your check and deposit it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that, well, they, only- I, I heard someone once say this recently and, I, and it's really stuck with me is uh, we tend to overestimate what will happen in terms of uh, evolution in the next three years, but we tend to underestimate what will happen in the next 10 years. Yeah, I and I I I wholeheartedly agree on that because I'm constant reading on that. Like I said, with my background in healthcare, but for just fascinated with that with that kind of change and uh, the evolution of it and how it affects our society. You know, whether 
kind of where we live and how we get from place to place, mm-hmm. uh, telecommunications, all those things. And 10 years is going to exponentially change the technology uh, more than it has over a hundred years. I don't think people realize that. And just look at when we were kids and how much it's changed now it's yeah. in 30 years, it's going to be a magnificent uh, in a lot of ways, probably scary, um, especially if the robots, you know, take control. <laughs> uh, but the last thing that I want to focus on as far as the solution, uh, which is really important to me, and I have a lot of experience with this too, which is why I want to tie it in is, and I know you do too, again, designing processes with the customers in mind. Yeah. You know, we always want efficiencies, but really designing the process for your customers, which includes your employees, by the way. Yes, it does. Any successful process has to take all those customers in mind. So, you know, a value stream, which is kind of a lean tool, which I'll reference is you have these uh, steps that you take to look at a process and to evaluate it. You have this customer value add, which is necessary to bring value to the customer. You have this business value do to address the business part of your process, right? So there are things that you have to do in the back end and in financial transactions, stuff that you have to do back in healthcare that um, really the customer doesn't care about, but those are things you have to do. And then non-value add, and those things are just bring no value and should be eliminated. Where people struggle with is this business value add, where we've talked about this. Like you used to have to go to the bank to deposit a check or at least an ATM. Well, we've shrunk that business process now where you just take a picture of it, right? And it's loaded up electronically. So you can't necessarily remove or uh, eliminate completely business value add process steps. But what you can do is minimize them. Or right. combine them. And I think that's where you're going to make the biggest impact. Thinking about how this affects the customer and making it, again, simplifying it and making it easy. Because everyone wins when that happens. Yeah. And that's really important to me. So, yep. in summary, when we've talked about a lot of things, I think both you and I um, have a lot of experience with this. We talked about the solutions, right? Simplify, build systems train people and then build processes that are customer focused um, some of the things that you do with your training um, is and probably the most important thing is build relationships teach people yeah. how to build relationships right yeah. um, and personal so they have this personal connection every time they have this interaction whether it be on the phone or face to face and yeah I think that's probably the most critical successful it really is. You got to know your customers um, on a, a, le- uh, a level that you maybe maybe you know their, who their you know their kids, or you know that they're a dog lover and their dog's name is Fido. Nice. Those are the kind of things that humanize uh, client interactions and what people will remember that you know that stuff about them. And the fact that you bring it up is is impressive realize wow this person remembered last time i was here that you know my mother was sick or something right exactly and you ask you ask them you know how how their mother is doing i mean that that does go a long way and i think it does show not only do they care but the fact that they remembered right and the fact that they they brought it up and are trying to make that so humanize is is probably to me the most important thing and that that starts with that personal level of genuine interest of empathy yeah and uh organizations have to be committed to that. They have to be committed to that. They if do. you're not committed to that, it doesn't matter who you bring in. It's, it's, it's not going to work. 
and it will fall apart. It will. Yep. So thank you, David. Um, anything else that you want to add to our conversation? Anything I missed? No, I, I was happy to be a part of it. This is, I loved, I loved uh, talking about this. This is something I'm passionate about in, in my business. So I'm happy to share and I'm glad to be a part of the podcast. Well, and, and again, I think, you know, we've been friends for a long time and I think we're both uh, passionate people. And I like to get people that are very passionate because it comes across on the podcast and especially something that fires me up. I call this fired up Fridays for a reason. This is a topic that really fires it up and you experience it. Both you and I experience it from all different angles, right? Because it's our job, but yet we're also a consumer. Yes. So I think it gives us a great vantage point to talk about it. So, so again, thank you. I'm going to wrap up here. So, uh, lastly, as long as I can remember, I've asked why and how come. I always challenge conventional thinking. I've always asked questions. Um, I'm very curious. So th- I think that equips me with a unique vantage point and perspective. And I can help unlock your organization's potential to implement the right solution. So I always ask people to ask themselves, what are your pain points? Are you willing to do something different? And are you committed to change? We've talked about this commitment. And then what are your customers saying? Right. So what are your customers saying about this? So by providing data driven analytics to determine the root cause of any issue, I can assist in answering these questions. So I have some training coming up, a Lean Six Sigma tool set process improvement training, which will touch on the value stream, which I think is really important. Um, So if you're interested, um, it's April 30th to May 3rd. You can register at www.signmeup.com forward slash one two five zero two one and if you have any questions about how i can help your organization or personal questions about myself please check out my website at www.dynamicrg.com and my twitter handle is at drg info um, and always remember or never forget um, as rush from the song grand design stated so much style without substance so much stuff without style it's hard to recognize the real thing that comes along once in a while. Thank you, David. You're welcome. All right. See you later. Bye.